gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, last week we did an introduction, understanding the gifts. And then today we'll move into gift number one, the type number one, the motivational gifts. Uh, we'll be reading from Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8. Ask that you find, and as soon as you do, stand with me for, for the reading. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through to verse 8. I ask that you just lift your Bible up so we do our, a declaration before we get to the reading. So, one, two, three. This is God's word. Now, Pastor Ray's word. I am what he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I can be what he says I can be. And I will have what he says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 12, 6 through to verse 8. It says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in accordance in proportion to our faith. Our ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word today. We pray, God, that you will open the eyes, our eyes to see your truths, open our, our hearts to understand and to receive your word. We pray that God will be not only hearers, but doers of your word. Bless this time, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may may be seated. Hallelujah. So in, in, in the text, the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to use the gift that God has given us. Um, he gave guidelines on how the gift should be used. And so we have seven gifts in this category. Remember we, last week we said these are called motivational gifts. And these are defined as how God works in a believer to shape his perspective on life and motivate his words and action. So the, how God works in the believer. So it means the gifts that we get will determine how we see things around us. A person who likes to, to, to teach will always look for opportunities to teach. You will just say something wrong. I remember driving with a pastor one day and asked a question. And the question could take three minutes to answer, if so much. And he'd use the whole drive from Ochi to Montego Bay to explain it. But he's a teacher by heart. He loves to teach. So he's looking for teachable opportunities to deliver. So, so usually, based on the gift you have, it is how your perspective on life um, will be viewed. I have listed with these seven gifts principles that I believe will enhance how these gifts are used to ensure that they become more effective and productive. All right? So we'll go through the gifts one by one. These are called the motivational gifts. The first one is the gift of prophecy. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 suggested that we pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So this gift is a blessing to the church and should not be quenched or despised. It is an extraordinary and unique gift. Those who have this gift of prophecy differ from the Old Testament prophets. 
who spoke the authoritative word of God directly. We are told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, that we should not despise prophecy. It says, test all things and hold fast to that which is true. So the difference of the office of a prophet versus somebody who have the gift of prophecy is that if you, if you look in the Old Testament, the prophets you'd see where you have, thus saith the Lord. So the things the prophets spoke became the thing written down for us to look at as prophecies. So, so Old Testament have major prophets and minor prophets, but most times you're seeing where they're saying, thus saith the Lord. The exact word that God told them has become the scripture we read in the Old Testament for the prophets. And so we look forward to some of them being fulfilled, and we've seen them fulfilling in the lives of Jesus uh, mostly. Amen? The Greek word for, for, for prophecy comes with the ability, to the, the, the derived word that is, comes with the ability to receive a divinely inspired message that delivers to others and to the church. These messages can take the form of exhortation, correction, disclosure of secret sins, prediction of future events, comfort, inspiration, or other revelations given to equip and edify the body of Christ. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, and 14, 3-4 says, But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. The Holy Spirit gives this gift of prophecy to some believers to make God's heart known and to edify the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 22 to 25, we read, Therefore tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, they will not say, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly, truly among you. So the gift of prophecy is, is for both believers and for unbelievers. It, it, it shows that just, so the, the, the confusion, as Apostle Paul is saying, if everybody in here starts to speak in tongues, and somebody walks in who is not a believer, they're going to see us as some mad people. Something wrong to these guys. If you remember in, in, the, in the book of, of Acts, when the apostles were speaking in tongues, they said that they're drunk. Because now everybody hearing different languages being spoken all at once. So they said, man, these men are drunk people. Then look at them start with some juice early in the morning. But he's saying, now, if everybody was prophesying and people walking and hearing their own secrets being exposed, then they would have to say that God is present, that God is here. Amen? So, so prophecy is for, for a sign. Please also note that it said that the, the office of a prophet that was evident in the Old Testament is different from us today who have the gift of prophecy. Hence, the gifts we get now must be tested. All right? So you don't walk around and, and say you're prophets and you're prophesying without having first tested the word that you get with the word that is written. Amen? You, you have to first test the word. I, I was sharing earlier that over the weekend, with this whole election thing going on, I, I've noticed a lot of people prophesying as to who would win the election. And I've seen people responding to them, um, cursing and, and swearing not to follow them anymore and to stop listening to them sermons. And, and my thought was, that is not how you judge a prophecy. The Bible says that you have to wait until the time has passed 
and see if what they said was going to happen did happen. Now, it means, for example, the election was on November 3. Somebody prophesied from long time, say, one candidate would win over the other one on the, on the day of election. Now, you can't accuse him from in October that he's telling a lie or he's a false prophet. You have to wait until November 3 come and pass. And if what he said happened, then you have to give him that the man prophesied accurately. If what he said didn't come to pass, then you can say he didn't hear from God. But you may accuse him wrongfully before the time passed and realize that indeed what he said was going to happen, happened for real. Amen? So you, the, the gift of prophecy must be tested. Must be tested. Those with this gift are the eyes of the body of Christ. They have insight, foresight, and act like watchdogs in the church. They are usually very verbal and may come across as judgmental, impersonal. They are very serious people. They're dedicated and they are loyal to the truth even over, over friendship. Our biblical example for this gift of prophecy is John the Baptist. Now, in the book of Matthew, chapter 3, we read of John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness, and he was shouting, Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. He saw, let's read from verse 3, for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, John himself was clothed in camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brother vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our fathers. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, imagine one of your politicians walk up to your meeting and you talk to him in that tone of voice. Now, that's John for you. John the Baptist was fearless with his word. He was going to knock you just as it is, without covering, without putting up. That's John. And that's how the people with the gift of prophecy were. They are going to be straightforward, and they're going to tell you the truth as it is. All right? Now, like I shared earlier, each of these gifts, there is a life principle that must work along with the gift for it to be very effective. So the principle that applies to the gift of prophecy is the principle of responsibility. The principle states that God holds us accountable for every word, thought, action, attitude, and motive. It says when we offend others, asking forgiveness and making proper restitution are essential steps in maintaining a clear conscience. Imagine a prophet being unable to declare a word because he was accused of being wrong a few times before. So, so the, the, responsible of the responsibility of the prophet is that he needs to clarify. So let's say, for example, he said that this is going to work out this way, but it didn't. He's supposed to be mature enough to come back and say, I erred. I made a mistake and apologized for the wrong word. Now, when he does that, he's becoming, being responsible. And so people will trust him as a man of integrity because he didn't defend the word even though it was inaccurate. He came and accepted responsibility um, for what he did. A negative side to the person with this gift is that they tend to dwell on the negatives rather than the positive. All right? Because the prophet will, will sense 
evil and deception, they are oftentimes guilty of seeing things on a negative side more than they see on the, on the positive side. The second gift mentioned in the text is the gift of ministry. The spiritual gift of service or ministering covers a wide range of activities in this application. So there are two Greek words for this gift. The first one has the connotation to, to wait on tables. And in the Bible, most times it is translated as the word ministry. It refers to any act of service done in genuine love and edification of the community. So, so, so serving or waiting on tables would speak to a, a waiter or waitress at a, at a restaurant. You, 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 you are helped to get your seat. They come and they offer you water and they ask for you what you want to order. And even while you get your order, they come back every now and then and check to see, is everything okay? Are you, are you enjoying the meal? They're checking, do you want some more water? Or you want to order something else? They keep checking on you to ensure that you enjoy the meal, but you also enjoy having the meal at their restaurant. Amen? So that's, that's serving, waiting on table. The other word has the, the translation helping or, or assisting, working along to give assistance for those within the community. So similarly, they want to assist you to ensure that the ministry, the, the great commission is fulfilled by, by the church. Amen? This, the goal of this gift is to energize the church and to free up others to use their gifts to the fullest. The result is the continued edification of the church and the added ability to see beyond its own need and reach out into the community. A great example is found in Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through, through to 7. The story is set around the, the, the disciples looking for help because they saw where they had to be paying attention. The preachers had to be... Let's read, read the text. It says, Now in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying... There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we ourselves will give we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Look at verse 7. It says, then the word, after they corrected this, the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly and a great many priests were obedient to the faith. So they saw a problem and so instead of giving up the, the, the original ministry, so it's like, our pastor decides, say, because enough cars downstairs, he's going to leave preaching and go make sure people get parked downstairs. That would cause a problem. Not true. We'd have fixed one problem downstairs, but we'll create another one upstairs. So instead of our pastor jumping there, then there are people who jump in to assist the pastor to ensure that he can give attention to the ministry of the word. Amen? So that's how each gift jump in in the body of Christ to complement and to support the others to ensure that overall, the whole thing works properly. Amen? Those with the gift of, this, with this gift, the gift of helps or, or ministry, they are the hand of the body of Christ. They are concerned with meeting needs, and they are highly motivated doers. The biblical example we find for this gift is, is Martha. Her story is, is found in John chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, Then six days, after, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. They... they, they Martha is, is mentioned in another part of scripture in a similar situation where, where she chose to serve, to prepare a meal for the guest who showed up at home. 
this then would show us that this was her heart. This was her gift. And while in the next place she wanted help, it showed that this was just what she was interested in. The, the people show up, let me get some food for them. And there, and there are people like that, that they just want to, to, to serve. They just want to, to help. They want to see things going smoothly. They want to jump in and play their part. That's how um, persons with this gift operate. The life principle, principle that applies to this gift is the principle of authority. It says, God designs various responsibilities to parents, church leaders, government officials, and other authorities. As we learn to acknowledge and honor these authorities, we can see God work through them to provide direction and protection in our lives. A server needs to diligently apply this principle. As he honors the directions and wishes of authority, he is better equipped to maintain proper priorities in time management and is often protected from individuals who might take advantage of his eagerness to help and meet needs physically. A, a good example would be, would be if, if you always call upon people. I, earlier on, we were talking, and I recall when Brother Okito had that pickup. Okita was, was, was regularly called upon to help. I mean, you, you'd see him going town one day, next day see him going Moby, and next day see him going St. Mary, because that's his heart. He wants to help, and he's going to say yes if you ask. Now, a protection for people with this gift is that they report around these, these, these errands through leadership. It means that somebody could decide to, to abuse Brother Okito. Because every minute they call him for help. Now, if pastor would know, or Kito's leadership would know that he's helping, that means if one person seems to be calling him too regular, then pastor could say, little guidance here, you, you can't say no sometimes to that one. Or I say to that one person, say, you don't have to call him every time. So some level of protection is given when leadership knows. Now, the negative that comes with this gift is that sometimes, because they want to help, they don't always want to go through the proper channel. So, so they will say, yeah, man, call me anytime, man. Not realizing that it can come down to abuse because the person is really going to take them serious and call it anytime. Anytime means 2 o'clock in the morning sometimes. Amen? So, so the gift needs to be guided through leadership to ensure that people don't abuse you because of how kind, how kind and helpful you are. Amen? The third gift, the gift of teaching. The, the spiritual gift of teaching is one that carries heavy responsibility in the church. In fact, James chapter 3 verse 1 warns, Not many of you should become teachers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Interesting, don't it? Teachers will be judged with greater strictness. That means not everybody should run down this gift. Now, it's a good thing that is not we run them down sometimes, you know, is, is get we get the gift. Like every believer, teachers are to be stewards of every word that comes out of their mouths. I want to read that one again. Like every believer, teachers are to be stewards of every word that comes out of their mouths. So, so every believer is responsible for the things we say. You just don't go around and say, but a teacher, like everybody else, has to pay attention to the things that, that, that come out of the mouth. Teachers have been entrusted with the task of effectively communicating what the Bible says what it means, and how we as followers of Christ are to apply it to our lives here and now. No, that's a, a, a serious responsibility. Because it means, it means that teachers, if they don't accurately understand and, 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 and impart the word, they can guide you to do some stuff that you should not, should not be doing. The, 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 the root word... For, the, for this gift, is where we get our English word didactic. It means to teach, instruct, instill discipline, explain doctrine, 
and expound. Those with this gift love to study the word of God. They consume the scriptures as food for their hearts, soul, and minds with the express purpose of knowing him and then making him known to others. Without this gift, the church could quickly fall into error and sin. Serious, right? Without it, if there's no teacher in the body, then we could quickly fall into error and fall into sin. Those with this gift are the mind of the body. They are passionate about discovering and validating truth. They hate when scripture is abused or used out of context or with ill intent. Now, I know you may have heard some people quote some verses that don't apply to what they were talking about. I passed, I did a series some, some months ago saying that's not in the Bible because we have a lot of things in Jamaica that we say, that we say, the Bible says so. So, so pastor did a serious series once where he looked at some of the favorite sayings and said, uh, we'll search the Bible and couldn't find them. Amen? So, so be careful of what you hear and people say, there's, there's one river, I think it was, render your heart and not your garment, right? So, we looked at them. So it is important, God help those who help themselves, right? It's important that we know what the Bible says. And a teacher's job is to help us to understand and apply what the scripture says. A biblical example is Apollos. We find Apollos' story in the book of Acts um, chapter 18, where it says, A certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the scripture. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Acacia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. This was a man who showed how serious it is, or how serious he took it when people not speaking accurately from the scriptures. Amen? And that's what happens when somebody gets the gifts, the gift of, of, of teaching. The life principle that applies to this gift is the principle of success. It states that we can discover God's purpose for our lives by engrafting scripture into our hearts and mind, using it to think God's thoughts and to build a foundation for making wise decisions. Imagine running everything through the scriptures. Imagine all your conversation based on scriptures. Imagine your thoughts are guided by Bible principles. Imagine how, how your life would be guided if all we're living through is the principles that we find in the scriptures. The, the negative that comes with this gift is that the giver, the, the person with this gift can become proud because of their knowledge. Because they are normally very smart and it's easy to become, to develop pride when a person has much more information than others. So be, be mindful that you don't come across as being arrogant when you have the gift of teaching. Number four gift is the gift of exhortation. The spiritual gift of exhortation is often called the gift of encouragement. The Greek word for this gift is parakleto. It means to beseech, to exhort, call upon, to encourage, and to strengthen. The primary, the primary means of exhortation is to remind the hearer of the powerful and amazing work of God in Christ, particularly in regard to the saving work of Jesus in the atonement. We can see where Paul commanded Titus, both Titus and Timothy, Timothy sorry, 
to use this gift. He said to Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with our long-suffering and teaching. The Spirit of God gives this gift to people in the church to strengthen and to encourage those who are wavering in their faith. The goal of the encourager is to see everyone in the church continually building up the body of Christ and glorifying God. Those with this gift of encouragement are the mouth of the body. They are like cheerleaders. They encourage other believers and are motivated by a desire to see people grow and mature in the Lord. They are practical, positive, and they seek a positive response. They are usually involved in the ministries of counseling, teaching, and discipleship. We find a biblical example in Barnabas, whose name was translated son of encouragement in Acts chapter 4, verse 36. He was called the son of encouragement because this was demonstrated through, throughout his life. The life principle that applies to this gift is the principle of design. So God has a precise purpose for each person, for each object, and for each relationship that he created. As we understand and live in harmony with his design, we will discover self-acceptance, identity, and fulfillment in life. The, the negative that applies to this gift is that the, the person with this gift tend to trust visible results rather than a change of heart. So it's, it's like because they are encouraging people, they're motivating people, they will watch the people doing what they told them to do. And because they are doing what they told them to do, they are going to assume that the, the, the people are changed. But, but like Rev would call it, he call it circumstantial repentance. Our circumstances change. It's not really an internal change. It's just because you're looking on. They're going to do what you say. But if you're not there, it possibly means that they might go back to what they used to do before. So the, the warning for this gift or those with this gift is to ensure that people are not just doing the things that you suggested, but they're applying the principles. So you produce an a inward change, a heart change, rather than just the doing of the things that, 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 that you, you suggested or recommended. It, it can be tricky in some sense. The next gift is the gift of giving. Now, as, as we go through the gift, what, what would be nice at the end of it is that you hear the one that applies to you. Identify the gift that you have. And maybe you might even be able to see the gift that somebody else has and, and, and be able to encourage them to say, be walking, be sure that you're walking in the gift that God has given to you. The, the number five one, the fifth one is the gift of giving. The Greek word has the English meaning to impart or to give. However, it is accompanied by another word which means sincerely, generously, and without pretense or hypocrisy. So, so the giver... The, gift, the person with the gift of giving is somebody who gives sincerely, generously, without pretense or without hypocrisy. They, they truly, out of the heart, genuinely want to be a blessing to others. The goal of this gift is to encourage and provide while giving all credit to God's love and provision. Those with this gift love to share with others the overflow of blessings that God has given to them. They are very hospitable and will seek out ways and opportunities to help others. So, so these are people who you don't have to beg to help people. You don't have to beg them to want to give. They, they see a need and they are quick to say, I'll take care of that. Because that's the, the gift that God gave them. Let me read for you a portion of scripture from 2 Corinthians 8, 
1 to 5. It says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, and I'm reading it from the New Living Translation, what God in his kindness has done through churches in Macedonia. They being tested by many troubles and are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. So look at, look at people who are considered to be poor people. They don't have it, but they want to be a part of the giving to other believers. I mean, it's, it's interesting that you can find people, you know, in, even in our own church, who, who they, they don't have a lot of resource. But they be one of the first persons to say, yes, pastor, I'll try to help. Yes, I'll try to, to assist. I'll jump in and get involved. Because in their heart, they have the gift of giving. Now, as, as a church, we encourage people to give. We, we, we have our, our regular tithes and offerings. But there are times when we'll be encouraged to, to, to be a blessing to other people. Now, one of what you have to, to, to recall is that the people who give always get. They always have. So it might not be a whole heap where you have lump sums. But, but God consistently meets needs in the life of a giver. Amen? And so we have to be encouraged to be givers as we partake in, 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 the, in the ministry of the church. Those with the gift of giving are the arms of the body of Christ. They truly enjoy reaching out in giving. They are excited by the prospect of blessing others. They desire to give quietly, in secret, but will also motivate others to give. They are alert to people's need. They give cheerfully and always give the best if they can. Our biblical example is Dorcas. We read Dorcas' story in, in Acts chapter 9. So, dying from 36, it says, There was a certain woman called Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. It, but it happened that in those days she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. I, I jumped to verse 39. They sent for Peter, that's the story. And when Peter came, they started to show him all that the woman did and the clothes she made and donated. They showed how kind she was to all of them. And the story would end with Peter praying for her and took her back to them and, and bringing her, showing that God raised her back from the dead. Now, miracles happen for those who are givers. Amen? Miracles happen for those who are givers. So we, 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 can, we can look forward to seeing God turning up in the life of a giver. The life principle that applies to this gift is the principle of ownership. The principle states that everything we have has been entrusted to us by God. And we are to use these resources wisely. Everything we have has been entrusted to us by God, and we are to use these resources wisely. Now imagine not giving glory to God for resources you have. Now one of the negatives to this gift is somebody who believes that this is out of their own hard work that they get the, the resources they have. That is their initiatives, is their ideas cause them to have the resource. And they may just refuse to acknowledge that God gave them the wealth. And that might cause some problems. Amen? There was a story in the New Testament of a man who, who, whose farm was doing so well that he said, you know what, I'm going to extend my barn. I'm going to increase my storage capacity. And then the Bible says, oh fool, tonight your soul will be required. 
So you, you can believe everything is yours and make plans to have more and to keep more, but you don't live to spend it. You don't live to use it because you didn't acknowledge that it was God who gives the power to get wealth. Amen? We, that's that's a, a principle that goes with the gift of giving. The sixth gift is the gift of leadership. The, the Greek word has the English connotation reference to a shipmaster or a captain. It literally means to steer, to rule, or to govern. It carries the idea of someone who guides and directs a group of people towards a goal or a destination. Those with this gift are considered to be the head of the body. They have the ability to oversee the big picture, or to see the overall picture, that is, and to set long-term goals. They are good organizers and find efficient ways of getting the work done. An example can be found in Titus chapter 1, verse 4 through 6, where Titus, a, a true son in common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this reason, I left you in Crete, this is Paul writing, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. For if a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused or dissipation or insubordination. So if Paul is giving Titus instruction to appoint the people to serve in different areas. And, and that's the, 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 the gift of leadership working out right there. So the, the people with this gift, they are the head of the body. They are able to accomplish tasks and solve problems through analysis and delegation. A great biblical example is Nehemiah. In the, in the Old Testament, we, we read of the story of Nehemiah, who, while serving the king, he heard of the ruin of, of, of his home country, Jerusalem, and, and it bothered him so much that his, his whole disposition changed. And the king, inquiring what was happening, gave him permission to go back to Jerusalem to solve the problem. We find this in Nehemiah chapter 2. And he would have gotten the permission to go back. He would have gotten letters to get help from other people to, to, to give in to this. And he was able to find people who he could assign different tasks to see the job completed. Even with distractions, he was able to see the job right through to the end. Because he had the gift of leadership. He had the gift of administration. And he was able to motivate and organize people to ensure that the job is done. The, the life principle that, that applies to this text, to this, to this gift, is the principle of suffering. The hurts of offenders can reveal our blind spots. God grants us grace for personal cleansing, growth, and achievement as we learn to respond with full forgiveness to those who we offend or those who offend us. A person with this gift needs to understand the principle of suffering. Trusting God to use the tests and trials of life to develop his character and strengthen his faith helps an organizer to respond to unexpected events with patience, wisdom, and increases, in, increases his sensitivity to the needs of others. If you, if you, if you read the Nehemiah story, you'd find that he had the opposition. He, he had people who were trying to discourage him, people who put up challenge, but, but he was able to maintain focus. He didn't even allow them to distract the work. The work continued even with people trying to deter and, de and, and defeat it. So he was, he was focused. He wanted to see the job to, to its completion, and he got it done. A negative that comes with this gift, or those who have this gift, is that they may tend to see people as resources. So driven to get the job done that they become 
they, they take people for machines, for robots, and, and so no, no little ease, no little break, you know. Get it done, get it done, get it done. And so they drive people to become slaves in, in, in that sense. The seventh gift is the, the gift of mercy. All Christians are called to be merciful because God has been merciful to us. The Greek word have the meaning to be patient and compassionate towards those who are suffering or afflicted. People with this gift are concerned for the physical as well as spiritual needs of those who are hurting and is covered by the gift of mercy. Those with this gift have, the, have great empathy for others in their trials and suffering. The, the biblical example is the great, is the, is the good Samaritan found in, in the, the gospel of St. Luke. Um, and you know the story. The, the, the man was beaten and left to die. And people of his own nation walked by him and, and, and didn't stop to help. The Samaritan who comes from a, a different nation, who, as a matter of fact, shouldn't even stop, shouldn't even pay attention to a Jew. But because of the compassion, he stopped and assisted, spent his own money, used his own resource to see this man back to health because of the gift that was in him. The, the people with this gift are the heart of the body. They easily sense the joy or distress in other people and are sensitive to the feelings and needs. A mercy giver is drawn to people in need and seek to demonstrate compassion, understanding, and love. The life principle that is applicable to this gift is a principle of freedom, which states that God Godly freedom is not the privilege to do what we want, but rather, godly freedom is the power to do what is right. That is important, not true. It's not the privilege to do what we want. It is the power to do what is right. Amen? It's important for people with this gift to apply the principle of freedom, and moral freedom, and understanding of this principle to protect the person with this gift from developing un, not un, or improper relationships or giving false impression to those they minister to. You know that, that without, without proper guidance, you can take on people's emotional pain and, and it affects you. You, you. you have to be guided. Amen? In, in closing, I want us to look at Romans chapter 12, verse 9 down to 21. I have it in the New Living Translation, and I'd love for us to read it together. So from 9 to 21, look, we'll read lengthy, but, but, but it is important for us to, to look at it. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight, tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. And weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone will see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. 
If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I, I read this and I'm seeing the whole pastor did a series on the fruit of the spirit. And I'm seeing the fruit coming out right in this text. Now, it means then that if we are supposed to serve these gifts properly, we have to serve them while we're living out the fruit. The, the fruit must be, must be, applicable, must be present and, and people seeing it coming from us as we, as we serve. Imagine, imagine you having the gift of prophecy, but you don't love. And we look at that last week. Paul said, though you speak with tongues and though you prophesy, if you don't have love, you are nothing. So the, 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 the gifts must surrender to the fruit. You, you have to be demonstrating the fruit for the gifts to be really effective. You, you can hurt people. And, and I showed that there are negative sides to all the gifts. Now, if we're not walking out the fruit, it means the negative side will be showing up. One of the principles we said last week was walk in the spirit. Because if God is not guiding your step, if the spirit is not guiding your step, you are going to abuse the gifts that you get. And that is going to cause us to hurt people. That is going to cause us to use. You know that there are people who prophesy for money. That means they're going to tell you some stuff that really no go so because they want you to pay them some money. So that's people who are walking outside of love. Because if I love you, why would I lie to you? So if we don't walk in the spirit, if we're not guided by the, the, the fruit of the spirit, it's possible that we are going to abuse the gifts that we get. And in, in, in the end, we're going to hurt people. Amen? I want us to to look at these few principles as I, as I bring it down. Just want to challenge you with these principles. No, so principles are given as we went all through these, these gifts. I want, number one, to say, learn them and respect them. Now, Rev said earlier on about the gift of the, 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 the principle of gravity. An easy one to use for examples. If you don't believe it works, go upstairs and just step off. Now you're going to find out afterwards, uh, you know, you should have believed the gift, the, the, the principle. But, but it works. Now, if you don't do it, apply it how it should, you are going to hurt yourself. And you're going to leave other people crying for you. Because I figure it's a good drop from upstairs there to get down to the car park. The principles work, but you have to apply it. You have to work it. So learn them, respect them, and use them. The second one is that I want you to identify your gift. Now, like I said last week, every believer, every Christian has been given one of these gifts. Every one of us have one. Now, it means we are supposed to identify the one we have. Now, when everybody finds their one, I was looking at a picture on somebody's status the other day. It says, not because it fit, means it belongs. And the picture was, a, a, a tangerine peg fit into a, a, a onion. So the spot was there for something to go in. And a tangerine peg got in. But say it says not because it fit means it belongs. We, we have to use the gift we have to make the whole thing come together. So don't make a plug in one profit where one profit is not needed. We have to find the one we have, the one we have, and use it to the complementing of the entire body. Amen? Nurture and develop the gift. No, no, not every gift is ready to use as you find so you have it. It's dangerous to just run off and think, say, yes, I am now a prophet, or yes, I am now a teacher, because you might go teach some stuff that not go so. So nurture and develop the gifts. Serve others with the gift. Serve others. That means you don't have to be at a pulpit to teach the word. Find somebody who, we read of Apollos. Apollos was teaching what he knew to a small group. And people heard him and said, alright, you want to learn some more, come with me. And they would empower him some more. Now imagine that. They didn't embarrass Apollos. 
they pulled him aside, the Bible say, and showed him some more stuff. And when he got the more information, he now run off with that and steal some more stuff. That's serving your gift at the place you are. You don't have to be at the pulpit. You don't have to be in charge of the church. You don't have to be the one up front. Serve the gift you have where you are. And the last one is honor God with your gift. Honor God with your gift. Now, I can promise you this. If each of us do our part, God is glorified. If all of us apply our gift, if all of us serve our gift, we are giving glory to God. And we are going to cause our church to be so strong and so, so, so mature that people will travel from far just to come and be in our company. Use the gifts. Use the gifts. So identify the one you have. Nurture it. Serve it to others. And honor God. Let's pray. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we bless your name. Lord, we bless your name. We bless your name. We give you glory today, Father. We thank you for this time of looking into your word. Thank you that, God, you have revealed these gifts to us. And that, God, you have shown, oh, God, how they apply in the big picture of the body. So we pray, God, that you will help us to, to fit in where we belong. Because we know where the gift belongs. We pray that, God, you will help us to, 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 to understand and, and, and to, Lord God, put the gift to use. And even help us to, to grow in the gift, to, to nurture and to develop it. That, God, we can use it with mastery. In the name of of Jesus. Help, Lord God, that we will submit to the principles, that we will not abuse the gifts we get. Oh, God, help us to submit to your spirit, who will, oh, God, cause us to walk in the fruit of the spirit, who will cause us to understand that, God, it means nothing if we can prophesy, but don't love. It means nothing, oh, God, if we, if we have the gift of tongues, but still don't love. It means nothing, God, the gifts are useless if we're not bearing fruits. So, Lord, help us. Help us. Help us to surrender to you, God, that you can use, oh God, the gifts to edify and to build up your church, to strengthen and to empower your church. Lord, as we submit to you, as we surrender to you, God, cause our church to grow to maturity. Cause our members to move to maturity, God, where you can use us. You can, you can use, you can manifest, oh God, the gifts through us and know that we will give you glory. That God, we will apply it appropriately. And God, will honor the principles that come with each gift. We commit your people to you today. We commit your people to you today. We pray for those who are not saved. Those who are yet to make that step towards you, God. We commit them into your hands. Even those watching online, we commit into your hands. And we pray in the name of Jesus that salvation will visit their house today. Strengthen your sons, your daughters. Strengthen your sons, your daughters. Let favor rest upon us, God. And your peace be with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. A heart so cried, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord, and all the earth will shout.
shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord, and all the earth, and all the earth will shout.